And now, a faux fiction audio production published by Not A Pipe Publishing. Super Guy by Kurt Klopton. Super Guy, the generic alternative. Less superhero hype, same superhero quality. Chapter 28 Oliver dove behind a metal support just as a small missile fired by one of his mechanical foes streaked past. The missile exploded on a wall behind him, showering the area with debris and pelting him with shrapnel. Smoke drifted toward the ceiling, and the air was filled with a burning scent. Yet Oliver could see no flames. Obviously, these heavily armed machines were there to exterminate folks like him. Probably specifically him, since they seemed like overkill for normal serial factory security, but do it in a way that wouldn't cause too much indiscriminate damage or burn the factory to the ground. Certainly, a sensible policy if you wanted to stay in business, but an awfully difficult task if you were going to arm your killing machines with missiles. While they were very accurate, they also tended to explode, which can cause a bit of a mess, and if the target in question is not easy to hit, then the damage begins to add up. Still, Oliver was getting a little tired of all the running and jumping and diving, not to mention the shrapnel. It doesn't even break the skin, but the constant stinging is annoying. You know, you could arm them with stun guns, or maybe paralyzing rays? Oliver yelled toward the factory ceiling. He didn't know for certain anyone was watching, but assumed there were security cameras. Or paralyzation rays? Is it paralyzation? Paralyzing? Paralysis? Oliver ducked instinctively as another missile exploded nearby. More stinging. That's probably not vital enough to work out right now. Without knowing exactly what the machines were, Oliver had taken to calling them killbots in his head, and occasionally out loud with a naughty word or two attached when he felt really strongly about it. That was usually right after he failed to dodge a missile or machine gun burst. The killbots were basically very fast miniature tanks that fired missiles, machine gun rounds, and smaller hero-quality lasers. And while those lasers were small, they still hurt. Oliver had been pegged by them several times already. Putting it out of his mind, Oliver dove across the aisle and rolled into better cover behind some heavy-looking metal cylinders. He had been doing the very same thing, among other evasive and attacking maneuvers, continuously for about 45 minutes, starting almost immediately after he entered the cereal factory by a rear door. It was almost as if they knew he was coming, which was the case, but it didn't stop Oliver from bitching about it to himself as he dodged missiles and lasers. Oliver had no real idea where he was inside the huge building or where he was trying to get to, but that wasn't an issue at the moment since he was being given no time to do anything but keep evading attacks. He had dispatched seven killbots since the start of the fight, but more kept showing up. Right now, there were at least two in front of him and three or four coming up behind, so he couldn't stay stationary for much longer. Risking a peek, Oliver stuck his head out from behind cover and scanned the area in front of him. Another kill bot had joined the two in front, and they all fired on his location just as he pulled back to safety. 
A missile exploded against one of the metal cylinders, rocking it back and forth, and causing it to start making some rather scary rumbling sounds from within. Oliver stepped back as he listened to it. Well, that doesn't sound good, he said, eyeing the cylinder as a laser flashed by and numerous bullets ricocheted around him. The large container continued to rumble internally, and steam began leaking out from underneath it. Probably time to move on, said Oliver. He remembered seeing a side passage off the main aisle, about ten meters down on the left. That wasn't far, but it also happened to be only a short distance before the intersection where the three killbots were currently sitting. Oliver knew he might get peppered a little making a run for it, but he had to get moving, especially since he could hear the trailing killbots closing in on his position. Ripping the rumbling metal cylinder off the ground, Oliver swung around as he stepped out into the main aisle and tossed the huge object at his feet of the closest killbots behind him. They now showed themselves to be more nimble than Oliver had thought as the first two easily rolled to the side, out of the cylinder's path as it tumbled past. The next two weren't so lucky. They also tried to maneuver out of the way, but whatever was rumbling inside the cylinder finally won the battle, and it exploded, propelling the two killbots backwards out of sight. Oliver didn't see anything after that, because he turned and sprinted forward as the three killbots in front and the two left behind began to fire. He could feel bullets bouncing off of him like raindrops and the unmistakable searing heat as a laser hit his right calf. He dodged left to avoid a missile from the front and realized his luck as he also happened to dodge one from behind at the very same instant. His eyes followed that one as it continued forward and exploded against the lower part of one of the lead killbots, kicking its lower half out from under it and dropping the metal hulk to the ground. Successive explosions to his right kept Oliver moving along the left side of the aisle, which was perfect since that's where he wanted to go. He dove into the safety of the smaller side aisle, just as more missiles exploded in front of him and machine gun bullets ripped their way along the floor of the main aisle. Rolling to his feet, Oliver didn't hesitate, having learned early on in the fight that the killbots didn't seem to have a slow gear. There were still two in front and two behind, and they were undoubtedly closing in quickly. Besides, Oliver was really tired of getting shot. So, he sprinted forward to put some distance between himself and his pursuers while seeking some kind of cover from which he could maybe put up a fight. Barring a good option for that, he simply had to keep moving. A doorway at the end of the aisle showed the only possibility of escape at the moment, and Oliver scurried for it as bullets began whistling after him, tearing into the equipment and shelving lining both sides of the aisle. Oliver tumbled through the doorway, angling to the left to be out of the line of fire and giving him precious time to determine his next move. That move was probably finding the next means of escape. That was the plan, anyway. Sometimes, however, plans don't go the way you'd like. Other times, plans just suck. As Oliver climbed to his feet, he discovered the room was a dead end, with only the one door through which he had entered. Oliver was debating whether it would be better to try breaking through one of the walls or if he should use the doorway as a bottleneck for fighting the killbots when a shiny metal door dropped down to seal off the entry. Looking around, Oliver saw the same shiny metal made up the walls of the room too. 
and he had enough experience now to know it was probably hero-quality metal. For the moment, he was trapped. Well, I guess I knew getting trapped was a possible outcome when walking into a trap. Shouldn't really be too surprised, honestly. Calm, call Emma, he said, but the channel opened to nothing but heavy static. He had tried the communicator earlier in the battle, but got the same result, showing gray matter had been thorough enough to block it. With that in mind, Oliver didn't imagine the supervillain would have done a shoddy job of building this little room either. But he started forward to inspect for any possible weak spots in the walls or around the door, just to be sure. Before he could take two steps, there was a whirring sound as panels and all four walls slid down to reveal rather large, shiny guns. Oliver thought they looked a lot like the hero-quality laser Cyclone had used on him. Not fair! He yelled, and then they opened fire. Oliver finally shook off the memories of how he had gotten to this point. Maybe there was something special in the super serum, allowing heroes to zip through flashbacks in these circumstances, but but it just didn't seem like the best use of time for the hero at the moment. Especially when that time was rapidly diminishing due to the laser cutting through the chain, suspending him above the vat of hero-quality acid and rotten super serums. Oliver tried his communicator again, but got the same result as before. Nothing but static. Looking up to check on the progress of the laser, Oliver saw it had cut through one of the chains already, and was halfway through the second. Not long, and it would be slicing its way through the third and final one. It seemed to be a very efficient hero-quality laser. Oliver didn't really appreciate that efficiency. Once its work was done, he would be falling into a vat that at best would spoil his day, and at worst, make that day the bright spot of the rest of his existence, because on that day at least he didn't spend the entire 24 hours as a hideous monster. Hideous monster being a really optimistic assumption, of course. Oliver shook off the feeling of impending doom and began reassessing his situation yet again, searching for some small chance of escape. The broken part of the first chain hung down loosely from where it connected to the manacles on his wrists, ending just above his head with part of the last link, the one sliced in half still hanging on. Oliver shook his hands on the off chance the chains weren't as secure or hero-quality or even chain-like as they looked, but they were, and he was rewarded with the broken link coming loose and smacking him on his cheek on its way down into the vat. Although his strength was still sapped from being knocked out by the multiple hero-quality lasers, Oliver was already feeling slightly better than when he first regained consciousness. Of course, Slightly better just meant he could wiggle a little more vigorously. The current situation called for a bit more than wiggling, no matter how vigorously done. Oliver also calculated that his current recovery rate would not be fast enough to allow him the strength required to flip himself to the safety of the rafters above before the lasers finished cutting through the chains. That calculation didn't keep him from giving vigorous wiggling a couple more tries anyway, but he only managed to get himself swinging and twisting a bit wildly again. As Oliver gave up and let the swinging slow down, 
he began to wonder if this might be his last few moments as a superhero. Of all the things he had given thought to once he realized the whole hero thing was really happening, actually dying due to the job hadn't been one of them. It was kind of a bummer. Looking despondently down at the vat below, Oliver said, I wonder what the record is for a shortest tenure as a superhero. He continued to swing slowly, wallowing a bit in self-pity. <sighs> and mine could end in a cereal factory. It's not very heroic, even if it is a cereal factory of evil. Gray Matter was still a bit pissed. It should have been a more majestic occasion. There should have been more gravity to it all. He had tried, right? He played his part, trapped the hero, been there for the give and take at the end. There definitely should have been better banter. To say it lacked the requisite wittiness that banter should have was an understatement. He didn't even get to explain his awe-inspiring plan of world domination. And it, w it was really mind-blowing in some aspects. Subtle here, audacious there. Really quite the magnificently evil scheme. Really quite the magnificently evil scheme. But now, it just remained a tale untold. Like some dusty manuscript shut away in a drawer instead of a spectacular blueprint laid out to astonish the hero. Yes, it should have been so much more. Superguy should have realized that, too, despite his predicament, or really because of it, in a situation such as that, there is a weight to the proceedings. Two legendarily powerful figures facing off in their final confrontation, death on the line, the fate of the world in their hands. Yet Superguy didn't get it. It just wasn't right, and it really bothered Grey Matter. He stomped his way through another door held open by Alex and abruptly came to a stop. Alex stumbled into him and apologized profusely, knowing the mood his boss was in, but Grey Matter didn't seem to notice. He just stood there in the middle of the hallway and stared at the floor and thought, oh, He doesn't know any better. He's too green stated Grey Matter quietly after a moment. Excuse me, sir? asked Alex, leaning in more closely to hear. He's too green. It's my fault. I I'm moving way too fast. He doesn't understand the occasion because he barely understands what it means to be a hero, let alone one in a climactic battle against an evil arch-enemy with the fate of the world in the balance. Grey Matter paced in a small circle. He barely even knows me as a supervillain, let alone as a nemesis with whom he shares a long history. Of course he doesn't get it. Well, he doesn't have much time to get it now, said Alex. His boss didn't say anything for a moment, apparently lost in thought again. Maybe his replacement will be more aware of his role, added Alex, trying to find a positive way to spin things. His replacement might be better if they choose to fill the position at all. The mayor has this election won now, so he might wish to save the money on other things. 
I will either have no foe at all with which to inspire me, or a new one who's even that much further behind by the time they arrive on the scene. Grey Matter shook his head slowly back and forth as he stared at a spot on the floor. That simply will not do. Sir? Asked Alex, sensing a decision had been made, but at a loss for what it was. Let him go. What? Grey Matter shook himself out of thought and turned back to his assistant. Let him go. He repeated, and seeing he was not being understood, continued. I cannot afford to have my archenemy eliminated so quickly. Who will motivate me to more and more ingenious plots? Who will push me to come up with the ultimate plan of world domination if he dies tonight? Obviously, somebody will die. That is a given. But it should be when it means something, not while he's still practically a trainee. Besides, he's already won this battle. Even if he dies, his handlers will undoubtedly know where he was going, and the police will soon follow and discover our plan. That part is now a foregone conclusion. However, he can escape, as will we. The war will continue. In essence, our legendary future may be saved. Grey Matter smiled as he walked to Alex and put an arm around his shoulder. <laughs> Alex, you need to go back and turn off the laser. Turn it off? Yes, there's still time. Turn it off, and eventually he'll regain enough strength to escape. But it will take a while, more than enough time for us to still get away safely. So hurry up and get it done. I will wait for you in the car. Yes, sir, said Alex with a nod. He turned and began to jog back toward where they had left Super Guy in peril. Oliver was twisting slowly in a semicircle, staring down at the boiling vat of liquid, when he heard the metal door open. Grey Matter's assistant, somewhat out of breath, stepped through the doorway and looked first at Oliver and then at the laser on the platform. The man started walking toward the laser and Oliver wondered why. Something was wrong. And as the man got closer to the laser, Oliver feared he wasn't even going to get the few moments he thought he had left. Perhaps the police were already here because Roger and Emma had notified the chief just to be on the safe side, which Oliver had been wishing for a while now. Or maybe Janice had foiled her plot early and flown down to surprise him. Whatever the case, it meant Grey Matter had given the order to drop him into the vat ahead of schedule. Oliver was out of time. Grey Matter's assistant reached the laser, stepping up on the small stool to access the controls just when the second chain gave way. Oliver heard the metallic pop as the link broke in half, one part springing away and landing in the vat below while the other half remained connected to the loose end, which fell down against Oliver's arms. When it hit his arms, the broken link came loose and fell past Oliver's head. Everything was slowing down for Oliver now. He could see the assistant reaching for the controls in the background as he tracked the descent of the broken chain link in front of his face. He pushed his chest out slightly, bouncing the link off of it and out farther away from his body. Then he pulled his legs up to pop the link off his left knee and up into the air. As the heavy piece of hero-quality metal spun in front of him and began to drop again, Oliver swung his legs back 
waited for the precise second, and whipped them forward to kick the piece of metal at his target. Alex never saw the heavy link coming, being focused on his task of shutting down the laser. His hand was poised above the power switch when his world flashed brightly, and then he lost consciousness. The blow from the chain link spun him around, and he fell backward over the laser controls and railing, landing on a section of large exhaust pipe that entered the wall just below. The pipe was at an angle that started the unconscious man rolling forward until it bent away to the floor, which left him falling again. Unfortunately for Alex, that extra distance out into the factory floor put him above the vat, and he plunged into it with a heavy splash. Oh, gee, that can't be good, said Oliver, staring down at the ripples in the vat below him. Not good at all. Oliver's attention was pulled away from the unfortunate fate of the assistant when he realized the sound of the laser had increased. Looking up, he could see the laser's beam was thicker and slicing through the third chain much more quickly than it had the previous two. The assistant must have managed to at least increase the power before Oliver took him out. Okay, I don't feel sorry for him anymore. Oliver mumbled as he shook his hands futilely hoping his strength might have returned more quickly than he estimated. It hadn't, and he stopped when he realized it might just break the chain faster. That effort left him swinging slightly back and forth, which in turn made him think that if he could get his body swinging as much as possible, and if the last chain broke at precisely the right second, it just might toss him close enough to the side of the vat for him to catch the edge and save himself. The odds were probably not on his side, but Oliver began to pump his legs as hard as he could. He had managed to swing back and forth several times before the laser finally cut through the last chain. And while he wasn't going as fast as he wanted by then, he was lucky enough to be almost at the far end of a swing when the last link broke. Oliver's momentum tossed him slightly outward as he began to drop and his last big leg kick caused a complication as it sent him flipping over so he was falling head first. To make things worse, his back was to the side of the vat so he couldn't easily grab the edge, even if he was close enough. Looking down as he fell, Oliver could tell he wasn't going to reach the side. About three feet away from the edge, he estimated. A lousy three feet. He had been suspended pretty high above the vat, so he had a little time to really think about those three feet and how badly he wanted to reach the side of the vat. That's when he first felt the drift. Slightly, at first, tugging him toward the side, but then a sudden little burst, tossing him as if he'd been shoved by some unseen force. Almost like an engine that catches for a second and propels you forward, but then stalls. Oliver got two quick bursts out of his flying engine, and he craned his neck to see how close he was going to get to the side. While the bursts had helped him get closer, he was still going to come up just short of the side, most likely bouncing off the inside of the vat and into the acid below. However, just as his back collided with the side, Oliver bent his knees back and hooked them over the top edge of the vat, 
holding on and suspending himself just inches above the liquid. Whew. Stuck the landing. My god, what a sad, sad superhero I am. You have been listening to Super Guy by Kurt Klopton, a faux fiction audio production published by Not A Pipe Publishing. Look for the sequel to Super Guy coming this September. This recording, characters, and the situations within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. If you wish to listen to more episodes in advance, search patreon.com, then faux fiction audio and sign up to be a monthly patron. Or stay tuned until the next week for your free episode. We will see you then.